Hey guys, yeah, sorry for about, sorry for that little, um, uh, uh, um, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? That little interruption, if you will. Uh, basically, it seems that um, I had to start a new live stream to get rid of another live stream that the, you know, the computer thought I was still, YouTube thought I, thought I was still doing. That's what happens when you implement um, software studio like OBS Studio, which is a good software. Don't get me wrong. It's just that it does screw you up uh, just a little bit as I adjust this a little bit to look a little higher. There we go. But, yeah, it does kind of screw you up a little bit to, well, you, to the point that you got to re redo things, if you will. But, anyway, guys, welcome to the Topics on My Mind uh, live uh Live, live cast, if you will, podcast, if you will, well, audio podcast down the line later on. Um, but yeah, welcome. And we got a lot of topics to talk about today as I get ready to link this to other uh, sites as well. But we got a lot of topics to talk about today, guys, uh, just a ton of them. But before we do, I'm going to definitely want to let you know that of course, super chats are open if you want to donate, um, and uh, be extremely welcomed and appreciated if you want to do that. Thirdly, I mean, secondly, uh, my Patreon is fully um, activated now. Basically, I do have two Patreon uh, supporters: that is New Jersey artist and Mandor, a uh, Mandor, Mandu, I think Mandu. Uh, they are helping me out with the support of three dollars the three dollar tier the patreon tiers are one dollar for just helping out and getting a recognition shout out list like with new jersey artists in mandor or mandu uh, the three dollar tier is the same thing you get recognition and a shout out as well as not only will you be helping the brand or helping expand my um brand or my channel whatever you want to call it but you also get exclusive content that's right. You will get exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. And as I've mentioned before, what that content is, is basically me going more in depth, more kind of unfiltered, uncut about things that I've subtly talked about on a public basis here on my YouTube channel. Uh, through the Patreon exclusives, you could hear me full out say what I was trying to kind of talk about uh, more uh like I said, more unfiltered, more uncut, um, if you will, uh, as the time as the, um, if you choose. Basically, if you choose to uh, support the brand, that is uh, up to you. But yeah, that's basically what you'll get. You'll be able to. I mean, if you go with, like I said, if you go with the one dollar deal, like I said, if you go with the one dollar deal, that's up to you. Um, it's it's no big no big deal if you will but if you if you decide to go with that again like I said that that's up to you um but yeah any but basically like I said um the you know the Patreon allows you to um have access if you go to three dollar route have access to um. You know other things as well. Like I said, uh, you know other things as well. Again, uh, for example, like I said, the the videos that you can't get um, anywhere else, you could get through the Patreon support if you choose to to do that. 
um, down the line. That's a totally your choice. Um, I'm not going to say you have to do it. It's just like it's an option if you want to do it. We'll put it that way. It's, a, it's an option. If you choose to do it, you know, it's there for you to do. It's $3 a tier for the um, the recognition as well as the exclusive content uh, that you can't get anywhere else. And it's only $1 if you just want to help out and get a shout out uh, as well. New Jersey artists and a New Jersey artist, for example, started out with $1. And then as soon as I uh, put the um, the $3 tier in there with the exclusive content, they helped me out with that as well. And Mandu uh, is helping me out with the $3 as well. So definitely check them out or definitely check out those tiers if you choose to... Um, you know, if you choose to basically want to, you know, to support my uh, channel, to support my brand uh, and all that. So there is that, um, if you will. Um, I'm just checking something here real quickly, guys. But yeah, go ahead and check that out if you want to do that. that that's up to you. And hello, Gino Morgan TV. Nice to see you in the live chat. But yeah, go ahead and uh, check that out if you want to do that. That's totally, like I said, up to you. Like I said, it's a it's a dollar tier to help out, get a shout out, nothing more. But it, like I said, if you want to get the shout out as well as help expand the brand and get the exclusive content, the three dollar tier is also open. Um, as I mentioned in the updated video when I said I was going into the three dollar route with the exclusive content. I did say that if this does succeed, if I do get enough support behind it, I might open up the $5 tier, and that might be something of the Q&A uh, perspective. So if you want me to do a, a Q&A, uh, you, know, you know, get the word out, have you know, get some people to help um, support the brand, if you will. Um, you, know, support my, you know, support my Patreon to get me, to help me out in the long run. Um, if you will, again, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And as you can see, I am wearing, uh, just to let you guys know, this is a new, well, it's not totally new, but it's a semi-new uh, t-shirt I got off eBay. This is a um, BabsCon 2016 official t-shirt. And when I got it, I did wash it. Don't worry, I did wash it just to be on the safe side. Um, but yeah, you know, it's an official t-shirt of, from BabsCon 2016 and you go to the BabsCon, BabsCon online, a store, which, um, is, um, its main, uh, headquarters, if you will, is located with, within the UK or something like that. Uh, but mostly stateside, I believe you could get this as well as other years, uh, other official merchandise of like different years of the con and all that. Which unfortunately, uh, this year, and hello Z Tales three two seven, nice to see you in the chat. Uh, unfortunately, this year, uh, BabsCon will not be a physical in-person event. You know, just like last year because of what's going on with the pandemic. The fact that, and hold on. I don't know who that is. I mean, look at this. I don't know who that is. Do you? 
Uh, but anyway, like I said, um, you know, unfortunately, BabsCon is not going to be happening this year as a physical in-person event because of the fact that we're still kind of in uh, what I would consider the final months or the final run, the final leg of this pandemic. So as soon as this final leg, you know, passes and all that, this final phase, if you will, next year should be clearly open and everything uh, for BabsCon to to return, um, if you will. And I'm just checking something I see here. Here we go. But like I said, BabsCon should uh, be able to return uh, with a physical in-person event next year. But yeah, uh, unfortunately, it's not going to happen this year. But if you want to get a t-shirt like this, uh, you could try looking on eBay. This is how I got mine. But you could also look at, um, you know, the the BabsCon online store to, to check that out um, as well. But like I was saying, uh, basically, um, <laughs> what was I? Oh, yeah. Basically, like I was saying, Super Chats are open. Uh, as well as my Patreon, and pay, uh, which is linked in the description as well, uh, patreon.com uh, slash bwrosis. Those are the places you can go to help support my con- support my uh, uh, channel, support my content and what I do. Like I said, with the Patreon, it's $1 just to help out if you want to get a recognition and a shout-out. And it's $3 if you want to get the recognition and you know, shout-out as well as help expand the brand and also get exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. Like I said, more in-depth discussion of things I've kind of subtly talked about in the past here on my YouTube channel publicly. So if you want to do that, be greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. And hopefully after this video, after this live stream is done, I will edit it and it will be at the end of the video. So you guys could check that out as well. But now let's get on to the topics we're going to discuss today. Topics we're going to discuss today. And these are very, very interesting. You probably see them in the description. But the first topic we're going to talk about today will be about about asking a question because one of the news, uh, local news um, um, that gets broadcast on YouTube, uh, basically they have clips that they show on YouTube, just like any national or local news does. One of them, I think it was out of Jacksonville, you know, brought up a discussion of the possibility that, you know, the 1400 that you may be getting or around that, depending on what your income is, if you're eligible. Well, that money may or may not head your way. We'll talk about that with the to- we'll talk about that because the first topical question or the first topic we're going to a- um, ask and try to answer is will you get your fourteen hundred stimulus check? Fourteen hundred dollars stimulus check. Your one thousand four hundred dollars stimulus check. We'll talk about that. Trying to answer that. Also, number two, the men's NCAA bracket or the men's NCAA sixty eighteen bracket official or is it? We'll talk about that for the, those of you that are in that like watching the NCAA tournament at this time of year. Uh, number three, we'll talk about animated show pilot rewrites done by fans, and basically, are they done better? And what I'm talking about is a couple of things that have been shared with me recently. We'll get into that um, as well. 
And then number four, WWE wants to pack WrestleMania, this year's WrestleMania, that is, with 75% capacity of fans for both nights of this year's WrestleMania. So basically, so basically WWE has plans to do something bigger than you know originally planned. We'll get into that. Number five, will we will we near 100% capacity or will or will we near 100% capacity uh, be or will near 100% capacity be possible by the 4th of July? I kind of reworded it otherwise here uh, in the live chat or in the description. I'll have to switch that uh, over later. But yeah, basically number five is will we near 100% capacity be possible by the 4th of July if you're reading the description version? But yeah, will we near 100% capacity? But be will near 100% capacity be possible by the Fourth of July? We'll talk about that. Number six. Number six is really interesting. Uh, Miss Piggy next on Council Culture's hit list. We'll talk about that. That's really gotten people some talking, especially if you're a Muppets fan. Uh, number seven. All 90s Sonic cartoons on Paramount Plus. We'll get into that if you're a Sonic fan. And then last but not least, we will talk about the DuckTales 2017 series finale that airs today slash tonight and what to expect. So, yeah, got a lot to talk about here, guys. Then, again, thank you for joining me for this live stream. And if not, thank you for joining me post-live stream um, afterwards, you know, when this is officially fully uploaded as well as converted to audio for the uh, audio portion of what the podcast or audio version of the podcast that will be uploaded later on. So anyway, let's start with the first topic here, and that is, will you get your 1400 stimulus check? Now, as we all know, this past week, President Joe Biden officially signed into law the new stimulus package that will be that has already for some people been directly deposited into the bank accounts, as well as this also includes a $300 extension on unemployment checks, which basically means that for some of you, like myself, that around this time frame, I have been given the kind of the, have been given sort of the yellow, uh, I wouldn't say yellow, but the yellow light or red red light or whatever if you will, of base, or basically the warning light or the Kind of like, um, I guess you could say the razor's edge kind of light, if you will, of basically being told, hey, you've maxed out your um, benefits and you can't reapply until the year expires, which is kind of crazy. Now, I'm sure a lot of you, like me, have gotten some kind of notice in from your state's EDD stating that you might be, if not are, eligible for uh, the extension, which I think a lot of us will be, because I don't think Biden and the Democrats want to make themselves look um, like hypocrites or anything like that, or any of the unemployment agencies around this country want to make themselves look like hypocrites or anything if they don't allow the 300 to be, you know, given to the people that need it, as well as those, as well as an extension on the unemployment, because honestly, These are unprecedented times that we're in, and a lot of us could use a little extra here and there, along with the uh, additional 1,400 stimulus. But speaking of the stimulus again, 
there was a, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, of, at the beginning here, there is a local uh, news outlet out of Jacksonville, I believe, that was doing a story on the possibility that you may not get your fourteen hundred stimulus check or something around that, depending on your income, because unlike the other two stimulus packages we got, this one, well. There's a little bit of a negative caveat to it. That negative caveat is unlike the last two stimulus packages, from what I understand, this one will not be protected from garnishment. That's right. It will not be protected from garnishment. So if you're expecting a 1400 stimulus check or something around that, depending on your situation, whether you're married, you have kids or whatever, if you're expecting that, according to the report out of Jacksonville, there is a possibility that if they choose to do so, a lot of debt collectors could a lot of debt collectors could, and this is the truth, could garnish your stimulus money. They could. Now I know some people. I've all, and here's the thing. I shared this with some people at the neighborhood watches around uh, Stanislaus County, like Patterson and neighbor and Newman. And some gave a thumbs up, some said it's fake and all that. And it might be fake, who knows? Maybe somebody just threw that out there for the local Jacksonville news to, to say or something like that or to get people talking in Jacksonville of, hey, did you know that this might happen and all that? So I, I don't know. I mean, some people I'm pretty sure are thinking, oh, it's just a Republican trick that they just wanted to get the word out there that, hey, you see what this you see this uh, loophole in here that the Democrats put? This means you may not get your money, you know, just to make them look bad. And that might be the case. We're not saying it is. Oh, no one's saying it is. But the point is, but the point that I'm getting at is uh, this, it does raise some questions of whether or not it's true or it isn't true. Because if it is true, if, a, if it's slightly true, then that is something to be kind of worried about because, Obviously, the question that a lot of people will be asking is, well, if my check is going to be garnished by my debt collectors or my credit card collectors or whoever, then what was the point of giving it to us anyway if we're not going to get it? You know? So basically, uh, so basically the, you know, the, you know, that the big question mark is above this whole situation. Like, yeah, everybody's getting the stimulus. You know, some, like I said, have already got it directly deposited and some are going to be having it mailed out by the end of the month. But the question is, will they get it? And here's my honest opinion. I think those that will have their checks mailed directly to them, you know, like like for me, uh, until I do my taxes, until I file my taxes, um, I will not get my stimulus check directly deposited into my bank account. Instead, my stimulus will be directly mailed to me like the last one was. And I think that's the benefit that a lot of people would look into right now, because at least, you know, if it's not directly deposited into a bank account, there's less of a chance that it could get uh, garnished by by debt collectors and all that. Not saying it couldn't, because it still could. But I think what a lot of people are looking at is, hey, if, our, if we get our checks directly deposited to us, or directly mailed to us, I should say, physically, you know, in our hands, you know, we should be all right. And I think a lot of us will be. But again, this is a report that was brought out by Jacksonville. 
one of the Jacksonville news outlets. You can check it out here on YouTube. And basically, it does raise the questions, not just for, you know, Jacksonville, Florida, but for the rest of the country. You know, is 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 there any truth to this? Because if there is truth, then again, a lot of people are going to be asking the question of, you know, what was the point? What was the point of giving us, you know, this stimulus package if most of it, if not all of it, is going to be taken by by somebody that it doesn't belong to, you know, that it doesn't, you know, it, it's not originally intended for, you know, so, you know, so it's going to be uh, interesting. Now, I, I talked this over with my mom and the rest and my family as well, and they've all agreed that nothing's going to happen. We're, we're, we're all still going to get it. And that this is just, you know, something, you know, brought up to kind of steer trouble, controversy, get people talking. Uh, because honestly, nowadays, the news media, and I say this with all due respect, depending on who you listen to, is hard to believe, you know, anything they say. So, you know, whether or not there is truth to this or there's no truth to it, it does bring up the question of whether or not this is something we have to keep an eye out for. Because when they talk to some people uh, in Jacksonville about it, not a lot of them were happy about, you know, this possibility you know, occurring of, you know, them, you know, expecting something and then not getting nothing because it got garnished. I mean, I, I know honestly that when I was expecting, you know, some taxes a couple of years ago, a tax return that, you know, a couple of years ago, that didn't come to me. Instead, it went to what I owed. It went to what I was uh, owed from a, a debt perspective. So, you know, who's to say that, you know, this won't happen here with these, uh, with the uh, with the stimulus. Because the one thing that they would always, the one thing that this report pointed out was, you know, um, you know, like I was saying earlier, the last two stimulus packages had a protection against garnishment. This one does not. So it's going to be really interesting uh, on what occurs in the next week or so, in the next several weeks, depending on how people get their, their money. Because if they don't get nothing and they get some kind of letter saying, oh, you're 1400 or 2600 whatever whatever the case may be, 2800 oh, uh, the reason you didn't get it was because this debt collector took it to pay up what you owed. You know, if people get a letter like that instead of a physical check, there's going to be a lot of answering. There's going to be a lot of um, explaining to do on Joe Biden and his administration's uh, part, especially the Democrats, because it's going to be like, well, wait a minute, you said we were going to get this, but you said nothing about us losing it to you know these debt collectors. So hopefully that doesn't happen, and hopefully with Biden when he goes on this tour, whatever he's going to do, ex- you know, better explains, you know, that you know, better explains that the stimulus we're getting will not be garnished, because I guarantee you that's a question a lot of people are going to be asking him. The first thing that's going to come out of a lot of people's uh, mouths is. You know, uh, we heard about this report that our stimulus might be garnished by debt collectors. Is that true? They're going to want an answer. They're going to want an answer. And I guarantee you, he's going to have to give some kind of an answer to make sure that people are not worried about that possibility being a reality. I don't think it is. There was one person that responded at the Patterson Neighborhood Watch Uncensored, the Patterson, California Neighborhood Watch Uncensored uh, Facebook page who said it was fake news and that they owed a lot to people and they still got their money. So we'll have to see what happens. But 
again, if anything occurs, if anything happens to where instead of getting a check, you know, people get a letter saying, oh, that uh, 1400 or 2800 you were owed or was supposed to come to you, that actually got, that actually went to pay for your debts to this place or that place. You know, if something like that occurs, like I said, Biden and his Democratic administration are going to have a lot to explain. And because of that, I think what's going to happen is we will probably get one more stimulus package equal to this. And that time around, if that occurs, then that will have a protection on it. That will. If anything happens here, I can guarantee you, almost guarantee you, that before this year is out, we'll get one more stimulus and it will have a protection on it. That's what will happen. Or he will have to come out during his tour and basically make it clear to the debt collectors to keep their hands off the stimulus money owed to everybody. Because if there's any, because if word gets around that if any debt collectors got it, you know he'll make sure something is done about it. Hopefully, but we'll see. And you know what this really does as well? This really puts the trust. It really tests the trust of those that wanted Biden in office. This will really test the trust of those that wanted President Biden in office to see whether or not they made the right decision or they didn't. So this is a big test for not only Joe Biden, but for those, and I say this with all due respect, those that wanted him in there instead of keeping Trump in. So we'll see. We shall see. But anyway, anyway, enough of that. Let's get on to our next topic, which is the men's NCAA tournament 68 team bracket is official or is it? Yeah, there's some information about that that we have to go over. And I'm going to bring out the bracket right here because I printed it out along with some other information. And let me get my glasses on, um, if you will. And let me check something real quickly, guys, while I do all this. Okay, everything seems to be good. All right, so this is the 68-team bracket here. And we got the first four teams that will be playing on uh, the 16th, I believe. Or is it the 18th? Maybe I need to get a better picture of this. Hold on, guys. Here we go. So let me get the uh, brackets up here for a, a moment. Then get a better look at it. Got a PDF file for it on the NCAA. So let's see what we got here. So the first matchups that we got for Thursday, March 18th, will be the two number 16 teams. We have four number 16 teams in there. 
We have Texas Southern against Mount St. Mary's. Uh, that'll be um, the first one. And then following that, we will have Drake and Wichita State, which are the two number 11 seeds, or two, two of the number 11 seeds. And we have two other 16 seeds, which is Appalachian State and Norfolk State. And then two number 11 seeds, UCLA and Michigan State. Now, in case you guys are wondering what this is, uh, basically, when they expanded to uh, 68 teams, they de- they decided that with a uh, – well, basically what I'm trying to say is when they expanded to 68 teams, they d- also decided, decided that at the same time that along with a final four, we were going to have a first four. Like basically who were the final – like with the final four, you get the four best teams or what are considered the best teams in the land, if not in the tournament. And the first four are basically like, hey, you're in the tournament, but the winners have to go on to the main the main event, if you know what I mean. So again, here are, so again, you got that. You got those four. And then this is how it's going to go. If we get the uh, bracket here. So here's how it's going to go. On Friday... You got number seven, Florida, against number 10, Virginia Tech. You got number three, Arkansas, against number 14, Colgate. Number one, Illinois, against number 16, Drexel. Number six, Texas Tech, against number 11, 11-seeded uh, uh, Utah State. You got two-seeded Ohio State against 15-seeded Roberts. You got one-seeded Baylor against 16-seeded Hartford. You got eight-seeded... Lola Chicago against ninth seeded Georgia Tech. You got five seeded um, Tennessee against 12th seeded uh, Oregon State. You got uh, four seeded Oklahoma State against number 13 Liberty, against 13 seeded Liberty. Sorry about that. You got eight seeded North Carolina against nine seeded Wisconsin. You got number two seeded Houston against number 15 seeded uh, Cleveland State. You have number four seeded Purdue against number uh, 13 seeded North Texas. Seven seeded Clemson against 10 seeded Rutgers. Number six seeded San Diego State against 11 seeded Syracuse. Three seeded West Virginia against 14 seeded Moorhead State. Five seeded Villanova against 12 seeded Winthrop. And then, like I said at the, at the beginning, you have seven-seeded Florida, 10-seeded Virginia Tech against each other, eight-seeded Arkansas against 14-seeded Colgate, and one-seeded Illinois against 16-seeded uh, uh, Drexel. And then the first four, which is on Thursday, you got 16-seeded Texas Southern and 16-seeded Mount St. Mary's, 11-seeded Drake against 11-seeded Wichita State, 16 seeded Appalachian State against 16 seeded Norfolk State. Norfolk State, sorry about that. And 11 seeded UCLA against 11 seeded Michigan State. And then how that affects the first round is real simple. And we'll get into that in a moment. Let me get some coffee here. There we go. So this is how it works. Now, the first round, round. Um, after the first four is on the 19th, which is Friday. Those are the games I just listed off. Now, excuse me. Now. 
Now, the other first round, which concludes now, the first round concludes on Saturday, and this is the uh, the other uh, games that'll happen. You got fifth seeded Colorado against twelfth seeded Georgetown, fourth seeded Florida State against thirteenth seeded UNC Greensboro. You got third seeded Kansas against fourteenth seeded Eastern Michigan, eighth seeded uh, LSU against ninth seeded Saint Bonifer. Sorry if I pronounced that name wrong. You got one seeded Michigan against sixteenth seeded. Makes it uh, now. Here's where it gets interesting. You got one seeded Michigan going up against the winner of the 16 seeds, Mount St. Mary's and Texas Southern. This is why it's expanded to 68. You know, you get you end up having not one but four 16 seed teams. Teams, uh, no, not just four, but you get uh, along with the um, other 16 seed teams. I believe. Let me. See. Yeah, you get the. Uh, trying to hold on, guys. Trying to make sure. Yeah, you get basically what you end up getting is you get six, uh, sixteen seated teams and six eleven seated teams. Uh, each year, I think. So what was I? Oh yeah, Michigan will take on the winner of Mount St. Mary's and Texas Southern as the sixteenth as the official first round sixteen seed. Number uh, fifth seated Crichton. Takes on 12 seeded UC Santa Barbara. You got two seeded Alabama against 15 seeded Ona. Uh, I know, uh, I know, uh, Iona. You have six seeded USC against 11th against the winner of the 11th seeded first four matchup, Wichita State and Drake. So they'll take on UC USC, Wichita State or Drake, depending on with that. Then on, uh, okay, then you have number two seeded Iowa against number 15 seed Grand Canyon. You have seven seeded Yukon against 10 seeded Maryland. Fourth seeded uh, Virginia against eight seeded uh, Ohio. Or 13 seeded, I should say, Ohio. Sorry about that. You got four seeded Virginia against 13 seed, seeded Ohio. You got Eighth seeded Oklahoma against ninth seeded Missouri, which is a Big 12 reunion match right there because Missouri used to be in the Big 12. Then you got number one, the overall number one seed, Gonzaga, taking on the winner of the six, the other 16 seed uh, matchup, which is Norfolk State and Appalachian State. So you got the winner of that going up against Gonzaga, the overall number one seed. Then you got six seeded BYU against the winner of the a other number 11, battle of number 11 seeds in the first four, Michigan State and UCLA. So the winner of that takes on BYU. Then you got number three, then you got third seeded Texas against 14 seeded Abilene, Christ, Abilene, Abilene Christian. And then you got seven seeded Oregon against 10 seeded VCU. Now, what's interesting about this, guys, and this is really kind of unique, is What's interesting about this tournament is basically the fact that it's all taking place in one state. Because of what's going on and everything, the NCAA decided that for this year only, it's going to take place in one region, in one state, and that being Indiana, mostly the Indianapolis area or something like that. And the places that have been chosen are um, as follows. You have 
Simon Assembly Hall, Simon Scrotit Assembly Hall. I'm not I'm, I'm sorry if I'm announced that wrong. Then you got Mackey Arena, you got Hinkle Fieldhouse, Bankers Life Fieldhouse, which is the uh Pacers home home uh home arena. You got Indiana Farmers Coliseum, and you got Lucas Oil Stadium. Oh, Lucas Oil Stadium Unity. I guess that's what it's called. Let me see. Yeah, Lucas Oil Stadium Unity South, which is basically like a south, a south part of the of the stadium where the Colts play. So the arena, the venues within Indiana, again, that have been chosen are uh, Simon Scorot Assembly Hall, Mackey's Arena, Hinkle Fieldhouse, Banker's Life Fieldhouse, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, and Lucas Oil Stadium, Lucas Oil Stadium Uni uh, Unity South Region. So that's what is going to be uh, going there. And again, this is kind of a, a unique situation because, again, uh, for any of us that follow the NCAA tournament, um, usually we're used to basically all the games taking place uh, in one in one area. We're all used to it taking place in one area. My my assumption, and this is what I'm getting at here, to try to get a better look at the brackets. Um, let me see if we can get a better look at the brackets here, little guys. Let me see if I can get a better look at the brackets here. Let me zoom in a bit. So, from what I could tell, what I can tell is just by going off what I'm looking at here. Just by going off what I'm looking at, it looks like, it looks like the West, yeah, it looks like the West and the East, uh, the East, the West and the East brackets, from what I'm going off of here, are going to take place in Hinkle Fieldhouse and Bankers uh, Life Fieldhouse, from what I can sense, most of them. I mean, they will switch around, there's no doubt, but it definitely looks like that's what I'm getting here. That That's the vibe. Because I'm trying to see here. Yeah, I think I think that's what they're going for. But then again, you got the other ones as well. So they're going to intertwine, if you will. They're going to intertwine. But th that's that's the vibe I'm getting. You know, that that's the vibe. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting here, guys. That's kind of the vibe as I print print the bracket here because I'm probably gonna <laughs> as I uh, save the bracket. Well, I do have the bracket, but still, it's always nice to have another one. But that's kind of the vibe I'm getting here. But here's what's unique about it, though. Again, here's what here's what's really unique about this, and this is why the topical question was, you know, sixty eighteen bracket official or is it? Because something else that came to my attention, and it was basically curiosity that got a lot of people's 
um, you know, we've got the curiosity of a lot of people. This is what we're looking at. And I don't know if, you know, if this is still, um, what I'm trying to say, it's still in play. I don't know if it's still in play. Uh, but basically, this is what I'm getting. This is what, um, Well, on, guys. I got a lot of things catching up to me right now. Okay, so this is from the Chicago Tribune. See. Okay, so here's what's interesting about this. Again, it's not just the uniqueness of it's not just the uniqueness of you know like the location of where the entire tournament is taking place, but it's also the situation that you know everybody is involved in right now. Now. In case you guys don't know, both Virginia and Kansas had to pull out of the respective conference tournaments because they had positive tests of COVID with one or two of their players. Now, it does say that both teams, the Chicago Tribune, both teams should sound hopeful about being eligible for the tournament. Now, they said they were assigned to Saturday tip-offs, which gives them plenty of time. And it says they were assigned seven Saturday tip-offs, giving them an extra day to provide the seven days of negative test for players to compete. Virginia expects at least one player to miss the first two rounds. Kansas is planning to arrive in Indianapolis without three players, but coach Bill Self hoped two players could join the Jayhawks later in the week after negative tests, according to reports. Now, this is what's interesting. This is what's interesting. It says the NCAA is hoping to avoid further complications. Teams will be eligible to remain in the tournament as long as five players have tested negative and are available. If a team is unable to compete because of COVID-19, the NCAA designate... Uh, okay. Oh, that? that was just the rain going on my window. Okay, what was I... Oh, yeah. It says here, teams will be eligible to remain in the tournament as long as five players have tested negative and are available. If a team is unable to compete because of COVID-19, the NCAA designated the last four teams not selected for at-large bids as alternatives. After 5 p.m. Central Tuesday, the window closes and teams won't be complete, uh, be replaced. 
let me repeat let me reread that after five okay let me reread this whole thing i and i do know that sounds annoying so let me reread this the ncaa is hoping to avoid further complications teams will be eligible to remain in the tournament as long as five players have tested negative and are available if a team is unable to compete because of covid19 the NCAA designated the last four teams not selected for at-large bids as alternatives. After 5 p.m. Central Time, which would be 3 p.m. Pacific, uh, Tuesday, which is tomorrow, the window closes and teams won't be replaced. If a team can't play, its opponent advances. Players will be in quasi-bubbles and they're expected to stay in the hotel or arena to avoid infection. The optics might be strange if a team competes with only five players, but if the NCAA can pull off a tournament without a team dropping out, it will be a significant accomplishment up there with the NBA's successful bubble teams. So, yeah. So yeah, basically, that's what's <laughs> that's uh, an interesting scenario for um, any fan of the NCAA. Period. Basically, the fact that um, we don't know who the last alternative. Well, I, let me look at that. Let me look that up again. Let me look that up again, guys. Uh, just just so I don't mess up on this. Okay. Okay, so here are the four teams that Sporting News puts in the highlight. That is Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, and Ole Miss. Now, those apparently, from what I'm from what I'm looking at here, are the last four teams not selected. Sporting News says. Selection Sunday has unveiled this final 68-team field for the 2021 NCAA tournament. And, as it is tradition, there were several teams that not only were disappointed in the scenes, but were also, but were also left completely out of the bracket. Until Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, and Ole Miss. The first four teams out of March Madness. And yet, a ray of hope for these teams still exists to participate in the NCAA tournament. Under the organization's new rules, any of those four teams could replace a tournament-bound team if that latter can't play due to COVID-19 issues. But it's not so simple. Here's everything. This is the sporting news. Here's everything you need to know about how Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, and Ole Miss can still make March Madness despite not being selected in the tournament. It said, the NCAA on February 25th released several protocols to replace teams that can't play in March Madness due to COVID-19 issues. In particular, the first four teams out can still get in if a multi-bid league has a team drop out before 6 p.m. Eastern, which, of course, is uh, 3 p.m. Eastern here. Uh, not Eastern, Pacific here. 3 p.m. Pacific here. It, okay. In particular, the first four teams out can still get in if a multi-bid league has a team drop out before 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday. 
Single bid conferences will select replacement teams that opt out. As the NCAA wants as many conferences represented as possible, the Ivy League will not participate. Okay. If a team drops out after that deadline, no replacement teams will be selected. The tournament game will be ruled a no contest, and the team that is able to play will advance. But if a team drops out before then, the NCAA will select from Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, and Ole Miss in the following order. Louisville, number one, Colorado, number two, St. Louis, number three, Ole Miss, number four. That means the Cardinals, one of the most notable snubs of the NCAA tournament, have first priority to make March Madness should a team back out of the Tuesday deadline, well, back out before the Tuesday deadline. Teams that could potentially be replaced are Kansas and Virginia, both who exited the respective conference tournaments with COVID-19 positives. Both teams expressed confidence that they will be able to play two part- oh, they will be able to participate in March Madness, and no team contacted the NCAA prior to Saturday's 11 p.m. Eastern deadline to inform the organization it wouldn't meet its criteria to play. Regardless, Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, and Ole Miss will await word from the NCAA on whether they have selected to make the tournament or uh, on whether they have been selected to make the tournament. In that time, said teams must have a minimum of the players produce seven consecutive days of negative COVID-19 tests. Otherwise, they will be ineligible. If none of the four teams, if none of the four first teams out make it to the NCAA tournament, they will be considered number one seeds in the twenty in the twenty twenty one NIT tournament. It's worth noting, however, that Louisville has already formed the NIT. It won't participate, meaning the twenty twenty one basketball future relies entirely on if it can sneak into uh, the NCAA tournament. Or oh, it's a 2021 basketball future relies entirely on if it can sneak into the basketball tournament. So, what does that mean, basically? Well, as I said, Louisville has top priority. Colorado is second. St. Louis is third. And Ole Miss is fourth. So, for example, as they put out, if Kansas and Virginia have to opt out again due to ineligibility of COVID tests and all that, then Louisville and Colorado State would be the next two in. But let's say Fortune smiles and there's four teams in the tournament that have to opt out because of COVID, COVID-19 related issues. Oh, let's say the athletic directors and board at the school universities saying, nope, we're not sending our students. We're not sending our student athletes there. We're not getting them affected. They're opting out. We're pulling them out. If that was to happen, if four schools were to do that, then the four teams out would be in. So there's still a slight, there is still a slight, I would say, 25, I would say a slight 50% chance, or 20, not actually 50%, but a slight 25 to 30% chance that Louisville, Ole Miss, Colorado State, and St. Louis could get in all at the same time. I mean, again, for example, for example, Let's say, by some crazy reason, the num- one of the number one seeds is out. 
Then let's say for some other crazy reason, one of the number three seeds is out. And then one of the number fours and one of the number twos. These four teams could swoop in and say, hey, we're the new number one. We're the new number three. We're the new number four. We're the new number, you know, two. You know, stuff like that. They could swoop in and do that. So, you know, looking at this year's tournament, it's going to be one of those tournaments where you're like, just when you think you, just when you think you know something's going to happen, that's when fate smiles upon those you don't expect and they show up. I mean, let's take a look at the NCAA football season this past year. A lot of college teams backed out. The athletic directors of all these schools pulled their teams out of bowl eligibility, and thus no teams could represent a conference in a bowl game. And along with what was going on, that bowl game got canceled. And you don't think that pissed off a lot of these uh, players? Of course it did. You know, of course it pissed them off because they lost a chance at being getting that big exposure that they've been wanting to get. Of course they're pissed off about it. You know, they want that exposure. But now, you know, they now they got to look back at this past season and be like, well, we didn't get it. Oh, well, you know, that's not good, but we've got to deal with it. We just got to live with it. And they do. They just got to live with it. There's nothing else they can do about it. But anyway, that's kind of a similar situation that you're getting here. And excuse me for a second while I do something. Just checking something. Yeah, just checking something. Because when I bounce up a little bit, it goes down. I'm sure a lot of you that have these kind of chairs know that. Uh, But like I said, you kind of see the similarity here. And that's basically that if any school has to be opted out, either because of COVID-19 positive tests, or maybe because the athletic board at the university is like, nope, we're not risking our student players, our student athletes, you know, getting sick or anything. So we're going to pull out, pull them out. Then not only will that, not only will those student athletes miss out on an opportunity to perform on a big stage, but also they will miss out. But the fact, but also at the same time, I should say, fate will unexpectedly smile on one of the four teams that have been you know, left out, which is either Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, or Ole Miss. And again, if by some miraculous reason, four teams in the tournament, no matter what the seeding is, gets pulled, has to opt out because either the student athletes, some of the student athletes tested positive for COVID or the athletic committee at the school says, nope, we're not risking our student athletes getting sick and they decide to pull them then those four schools that go that route, you know, not only are they basically, like I said, taking away an opportunity from the student athletes, but at the same time, they're allowing, you know, they're they're allowing that light at the end of the tunnel to become brighter and more real for the teams that were, you know, left out of the tournament, which were the four that we just mentioned. So, yeah, this is going to be an interesting tournament. If you're into that, if you're into watching the NCAA uh, tournament, this will be an interesting one to look out for. And I'm sure the same is going to be applied to the NIT tournament for both men and women. And the same is going to be applied for the women's NCAA tournament when its field gets announced later on today. So, you know, the question is to me, my question to you guys is, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts overall on that? This whole um, situation? Do you think it's a smart move 
by the NCAA to add in this stipulation that if you know a team has to opt out, they have till tomorrow to do it, till a replacement can be put in. What are your thoughts? Let me know in the live chat and in the comments later on down below. But yeah, it's again, it's one of those. But again, just like with college football, it's a this is a, a postseason to really keep an eye out for, because you know back you know because in the postseason for football, college football, everybody thought thought there were certain bowl games that were possibly there was still a possibility of happening, but then we see that they don't. You know, and here we are. But let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know what your thoughts are overall on all that. All right, next up. Number three, animated show pilot rewrites done by fans. Are they done better? Yes, you heard me right. Animated show pilot rewrites done by fans. Are they done better? And what I mean by that is recently in the past couple of weeks, I've been um, asked to look at a couple of, uh, I, I guess you could assume them to be rewrites by fans of, of uh, pilot episodes or the first couple of episodes, if you will, uh, of an already established show that aired uh, back in the 90s and the early to mid 2000s, and basically look at what their take of it take on it is. And um, honestly, from what I've seen, from what I've read, I actually like it. I actually like what I'm reading. I'm actually liking what I'm what I'm read what I'm reading and seeing here. Uh, the first one I want to talk about uh, is called Sonic's New World. And basically what I'm reading here is it's kind of like a take on, um, it's basically like a, a, a retake of Sonic X. It's kind of like a, a fan's rewrite on Sonic X, but more adapted to be like a hybrid of Sonic X, Archie Sonic, and Sonic Sat AM all rolled into one. And then on top of that, and on top, and on top of that, in addition to hybriding some of those elements into this, you know, uh, version of Sonic X, um, if you will, they're also basically acknowledging uh, real cities. They're acknowledging real towns, real cities, real states, and I like it because there's like one scene of there's uh, one. There's a uh, one chapter in Sonic's New World where it's basically based off the, I think what is it, the second episode, second or third episode of of Sonic X, where Sonic is rescuing Cream from this facility, and instead of Cream that he's rescuing, he's rescuing, uh, he's ba- it ba- I, basically it does involve him going after Cream, but I think it's also involving him helping Mina Mongoose, a minor mongoose. I have to go back and look at it again. But yeah, they got Mina Mongoose, Mina Mongoose in there uh, as a character. So from what from what I've read so far, like I said, it's definitely a good blending of both, you know, oh, not both, but of all three Sonic elements. You know, X Advent, uh, X Archie Comics, and Sad AM. So I really like it. And again, on top of that, I like the idea that they're implementing you know, real life cities and towns instead of just like, here's Station Square, here's uh, South Island, here's this, here's that. And instead, they're implementing real towns. Like one of the towns they talk about, I'll mention uh, in here is Boston, Massachusetts, which I like. So it definitely shows you that fans 
uh, when given the opportunity to kind of rewrite something, you know, from an established IP in their image or how they see it, can implement not just other elements from other portions or other different interpretations of said franchise eyes and said character, or that involves said character, I should say, but they could also, you know, implement reality like real life, you know, like real towns and all that. And I kind of get that vibe, maybe influence a little bit of an influence coming out of maybe Sonic, the Sonic live action movie. Maybe I'm not really sure, but that's what the vibe I'm getting at because they're mentioning Boston and in Sonic's live action film, you have San Francisco as like a main, you know, main area uh, of the, of the movie. So it's interesting. It's really interesting. And uh, like I said, it just shows this to me, it's just an example of, how much fans can truly contribute to a franchise and the fandom involved to a franchise's fandom by creating their own interpretations or rewriting their own interpretations of an original uh, pilot uh, for a series, original shows, a pilot, pilot, um, if you will, mostly an animated one, uh, you know, as they see it, because again, they're using elements from, from the original pilot, the original first couple of episodes, but they're also adding in some, you know, differences or adding in other characters and influences and hybriding it all together into one ultimate version of what they're adapting from. And instead, and it's Sonic X, but it's dubbed Sonic's New World. So, so it looks really good to me on that one. And then another one that recently got introduced to me was bonkers just called bonkers uh by jacob lee and bonkers uh basically it, it, and i and this is the, again this is something that i got to give fans of all kinds credit for uh because jacob lee here and he's not the only one that's done this others i have seen others do this as well others have done this as well you know, no matter what the animated franchise is, based uh, whether it's an original IP or based on an IP or whatever, a lot of fans will basically take their time and they will create an actual script. That's right. They will create an actual script. They will use a script software, whatever kind it is, Hollywood screenwriter or whatever. They will use an actual script software and create their own script on what they feel a story based on featuring said character or whatever characters or whatever franchise uh, should be like. And in the case of an animated show pilot rewrite, uh, Jacob Lee does just that. And what he does is he takes basically, uh, he takes basically what was started or what we saw, I should say in a two part uh, going Bonkers uh, pilot, the Going Bonkers 45-minute uh, mini-movie, if you will, a mini-movie pilot, he takes that and he expands on it. He takes it, you know, to another... I'll put it this way. He expands on it and he does things with it that, you know, you wouldn't think, you know, they would... Anybody would probably do with uh, an adaption of, of Bonkers of any kind. But what he sent me, though, was basically a movie script, a potential movie script that I I believe he can successfully. I, and this is my honest opinion. He can successfully 
submit to Disney, and they would probably okay it. They would probably green light it and okay it, but on the condition that certain wording has to be uh, certain wording uh, has to be taken out, uh, certain characteristics have to be modified, and certain other characters have to be <laughs> replaced uh, by you know original characters because certain characters belong to other studio IPs, if you know what I mean. Uh, but, but besides all that aside, I could see something like this potentially being greenlit by Disney. I could. Because what I'm seeing, because what he's presenting here is basically his own movie adaptation of the origins of how Bonkers became a cop. But what he's doing is he's actually taking something that I've thought about before. I've thought about this before, and obviously I'm not alone in this, because it seems that he, along with many others, have thought about this too. And that is the fact that when you watch the original Going Bonkers pilot, you know, and his bonkers and his friends are walking on the sidewalk in the rain. After all the friends are captured by Mr. Doodles, the pilot, the main pilot villain's uh, minion, which uh, the main villain is the collector, the last two remaining are Fawn and Bonkers. So what he's doing is he's taking that concept of, okay, what if Fawn and Bonkers became the cops? What if Bonkers didn't become a cop alone? What if Fawn was a cop, became a cop along with him? And it just goes from there because now, because he basically goes in that direction. Now he doesn't, now here's the thing about movie adaptations. And obviously he knows this to be true, the way he's written this so far. And I've read it and I got to reread it. But from what I have seen, from what I have seen, basically, the way the way he's adapting this, because like I said, he probably he's seen obviously how movie adaptions are, especially they're adapting an origin of an IP that pretty much is differs from the original or, origin that it was given. Um, but basically, you know. What he's doing is he's giving a reason for not just Bonkers and Fawn being, you know, for bonker, Bonkers being replaced. But he's doing it in a way that's very, I guess you could say Roger Rabbit inspired. But since, you know, Disney does own the IPs to some characters that do show up, it makes sense. So basically he's doing it in a way to where it's Fawn and Bonkers that get ejected first. Like they're the first ones out. They're gone. They're history. I mean, everybody is fired. I mean, everybody, just like in the original pilot, the original pilot story is fired, you know, from the jobs and replaced by somebody else. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You got to read this guy's movie script if you really want to see what it is. But they're all fired from their job, just like in the original. And basically what happens is we, is Bonkers and Fawn get into a confrontation with some of the, with the ones replacing them. And it basically leads to Bonkers and Fawn being the ones ejected out of the studio first, and then the others follow suit later on uh, on their own. But the way this is, but the way this is done is, you basically have both Bonkers and Fawn driving around, trying to figure out what the next step is going to be, and then they basically encounter uh, not one but several muggers going after Donald and two other classic Disney characters. Let's just say they were the 
iconic couple for the past 80 plus years or 90 plus years. Is it going to, oh yeah, it's going to be 90. Hold on. Hey Google, when did Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse debut? 1928. On the website CNN.com, they say, like any loving couple would want, Mickey and Minnie shared their big screen debut together in Steamboat Willie in 1928. Every year on November 18th, they get to celebrate their birthdays together. To find out more, look for the link in your Google Home or Google Assistant app. There you go, 1928. So basically, they celebrated uh, 90 years believe it or not, 90 years, um, two years ago, or three years ago. So it's going to be 93 years. Yeah. And I just gave away who that couple was, <laughs> didn't I? Uh, anyway, though, yeah. Uh, Donald, just like in the original pilot, is confronted by a mugger, but it's a group of muggers who are not just confronting him, but are confronting Mickey and Minnie, and Bonkers and Fawn notice this, and they basically leap into action. They leap into action to do the right thing, to basically do the right, you know, to do a citizen's arrest, or at least attempt to. And long story short, this leads to them basically, you know, becoming cops. Just like Bonkers became a cop in the pilot, in the original pilot. Same thing with them here, but it's done in a different way that kind of follows, in my opinion, and again, Jacob Lee, um, known as New Jersey artist, uh, knows this as well. It basically follows in a way that you would expect a movie adaptation to probably follow. Like it basically takes inspiration from the original source, but switches it up a bit and goes in a different direction to where it's identical but and similar but different. So. So yeah, so far this this story, I like I said, I read it once. I got to reread it again, and just to see if I missed anything. But so far, this this again, this is just another example of how fans and within a fandom can really help elevate, you know, you know, a franchise and its characters and other IPs involved, even after the original show or. Uh, run the original oh after I should say the original show's run is, is over so yeah this is just a good example here and then of course the biggest one of the other bigger examples I can tell you about is of course by Disney fanatic and the fact that she you know did the bride of discord and daughter of discord and again what more can you say except if you haven't watched those you know here on YouTube you need to watch them because they're really really good you know they're really, really good. So I would definitely, I would definitely suggest checking them out uh, once you get an opportunity to. But again, it's just, again, these are just prime examples in my opinion. So I would recommend checking out Sonic's New World. I think that's what it's called. As well as if you can get in contact or find a way, check out uh, the Bonkers movie script by Jacob Lee, New Jersey artist, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It's really good. Really good. All right, guys, I'm going to be back in a moment. I got to get myself a little something to drink. Not just this, but a little something more. Be right back, guys.
Okay, guys, I'm back. Sorry about that. To get, like I said, get some water there, and as well as basically check the mail um, as well, and just turn on the heater for a second because even though it says 48 degrees, uh, it says it feels like it's 43. Yeah, it says it's a. Yeah, we have one of those Xfinity uh, touch screens uh, in the house. Um, Comcast Xfinity touchscreens and tells us not only the time and everything and helps us set the alarms and all that, but it also gives us the temperature and basically it says, oh, it's 48 degrees, but when you, you know, switch over to the next uh, screen, you kind of like do a swipe, you know, if you will, like the swipe on the screen, it says 48 feels like 43, so it's five degrees, basically it's 45, about 43 degrees outside. Store branded. <laughs> um, let me check again. Make sure everything is working right. Okay, everything's working good. But anyway, now on to our next topic here. And our next topic is WWE wants to pack WrestleMania with 75% capacity of fans for both nights of this year's WrestleMania. Now, in case you guys um, haven't been uh, now, just now, in case you guys don't know what I'm talking about here, WWE this year is going to be able to have fans in attendance, unlike last year for WrestleMania. Now, originally this year, WrestleMania was supposed to be. Uh, here in California, in Inglewood, California, at the new SoFi Stadium. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen due to protocol and all that, due to restrictions and everything. So instead, they're going to make it up to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, or to Tampa itself at Raymond James Stadium, because it was supposed to be at Raymond James last year. So to make up for that, they're going to do it this year. And then instead of making up California's due date or uh, scheduled date next year. Instead, they're going to go to Dallas, Texas, try to probably set another world record or another intended record of uh, over 100,000 plus. They're going to try to do that. But but then the next year in 2003 or 2023, I should say, that's when they're going to end up going to SoFi Stadium because I think what WWE wants to do uh, those that are scheduling this, you know, in advance is they want to make sure every safety precaution is taken care of. Everything is up to standard. Everything is good to go. Now, now, as far as this year's goes, um, WWE, like I said, they, they're going to make up, make up for last year's WrestleMania, uh, being a pandemic, um, Addition basically being a, a in uh, basically being a what's the word I'm looking for uh, a close set edition. So they're going to make up for that with this year's mania uh, being at Raymond James Stadium. Um, but here's the thing: when they first announced this was going to happen, the original plan was to get at least twenty-five to thirty percent capacity of fans. 
basically around for both nights on average possibly 20,000 20,000 fans and that's it you know that's it you know 15 well basically on average about 15,000 to 20,000 fans which would accumulate combined nights to 30,000 to 40,000 fans for both nights but now that vaccinations have been rolling out more and places like Florida and Texas and all of them are saying, hey, we're going to lift restrictions. We're going to re- lift mask mandates and all that. Now WWE is looking at the opportunity in front of them of saying, okay, if you're going to do that, Florida, instead of 25%, let's go 75%. Let's go all the way. And that's what they want to do. And this is brought... And this decision, this decision has really, in the eyes of a lot of wrestling fans and even some sports analysis, if you will, has come really under fire as of late. Because it's like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. It's like, because to them, it's like, whoa, whoa, WWE, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you sure you want to do that? People might still be infected, you know. You might want to take your time. Go back to that 25%. That, that's a little bit better. You know, there, there's a lot of people that are looking at this sudden, uh, I, I guess you could say, determination on WWE to be like, hey, if, you know, they're allowed to have so many people, you know, if well, not, not allowed, but if they're lifting the restrictions and giving people more freedom, then you know what? Let's Let's go all the way with it. Let's, Let's try to pack that place as much as we can. And, excuse me, and 75% of that, um, on average, is about 45,000 to 50,000 fans per night. Yeah. They want to pack Raymond James Stadium for the two-night event with 45 to 50,000 fans. Per night. And why? Because they want to make sure, and this is mostly a Vince McMahon thing, I think. They want to make sure they have the biggest public attendance in the U.S. since this pandemic happened. I mean, that has always been a Vince McMahon deal. Not just a WWE deal, but a Vince McMahon deal. Why? I I give you 20 years ago this September. Yeah, I know that's hard to talk about, but I give you 20 years ago this September. Two days after 9-11, WWE decided to hold SmackDown live in Houston. First large attendance crowd since the attacks. And even though it was the right thing to do to get people's mind off what happened, a lot of people still argue even to this day that they could have held off. They could have done something different. But no, Vince wanted to be the first one to have a crowd. That's what he wanted. And sorry, my thing went off there for a second. Uh, when you have it on the uh, word pad for a bit that goes off, I guess the computer decides, decides it wants to go into rest mode or something. But yeah, you know, Vince McMahon, you know, even though he could have, and a lot of people still argue this, could have waited, held off for a while. Uh, he wanted to. You know, wanted to have the wanted the company to be the first ones to have a big crowd, and yes, like I said, it was to help people get their minds off what happened. But still, it's like you could have waited, 
But nope, he wanted to make sure. Not only did he make, not only did he want to get people's minds off what happened, but he also wanted to make sure he was the first one to get a big old crowd, you know, you know, in attendance since what happened, since the 9/11 attacks. And that's the same thing here. You know, even though we're a year into the pandemic, you know, we're getting towards the the finish line of being out of it. He wants to make sure he's the first company, the first organization, the first entertainment or sporting event of any kind to have a large crowd, even if it's a combination of two nights. And again, this is where a lot of criticism gets drawn into because it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, are you sure you want to do this, Vince? Are you sure you want to, you know, make this a reality? Because, you know, people, there are still going to be people by the time WrestleMania comes around that have yet to be vaccinated. Are you sure you want to rush into this? Do you want to take your time, do maybe 50%? You sure you sure about this? You should be, you, uh, you should think this. You think about this. Think about it. There's a lot of people that are, a lot of people that are talking about this, criticizing it. They're basically coming out and saying that this is not a good idea. That the 25 to 50 percent, if not 25 to 30 percent capacity, is the best solution. You want crowds, you want fans in there. That's fine, but don't try to overdo it too soon. Because if you try to overdo it, all you do is risk doing a relapse of the whole pandemic, and we're back to square one again. And that's what people worry about. That's what they worry about, and they don't want to worry about that. They don't. So a lot of them are like, Vince, are you sure you want to do this? Because if you do this, you're risking everybody's lives. You're basically putting a lot of people in danger. You don't want to do that. So uh, we'll see what occurs, but it looks like right now WWE wants to um, get the largest crowd, uh, attendance crowd, uh, in history, uh, not in history, but in the United States, since the pandemic happened, um, you know, since the pandemic happened, even if it means having a combination of forty-five to fifty thousand fans per night, which means they would have a capacity of nine, which means they would have a combined attendance of nine thousand to one hundred thousand fans. That's a lot more more than NASCAR had in date in Daytona. Because that is the only larger crowd that we know about. So we'll see what happens. But again, this is coming under a lot of controversy, a lot of criticism. And if I'm Vince McMahon and I'm WWE, I do start to reconsider that maybe this is not the best solution just yet. And I don't want to worry anybody. I don't want to bring my company under any more fire than it is. That maybe I should just take a step back and say, okay, we'll do 50%, which I think would probably be the better solution, but we'll see. But let me know what you guys think. What are your thoughts on on Vince McMahon and WWE wanting to get about 75% capacity uh, attendance, you know, for both nights of WrestleMania this year? What are your thoughts? Let me know in the live live chat as well as in the comments uh, below. All right. Next topic. Speaking of capacity. This is one that I think is an interesting one to talk about and ask. And that is, will we be near 100% capacity or will near 100% capacity 
be possible by the 4th of July. Now, we know that Texas, we know that Mississippi, and I think Florida is getting close to it, are going, have gone, or are going towards, or just about ready to announce 100% uh, capacity. In other words, 100% uh, freedom. You know, basically, no more mask, no more anything like that. You know, back to normalcy, back to normal life. You know, this is a good question to ask. Ask of, will, will near 100% capacity be possible by the 4th of July? And what I mean by that, basically 100% capacity, I'm talking 100%, you know, free of, of masks, ask and everything and you know six feet restrictions and all that will we be at that point come the fourth of july and like i said texas already has gone to 100 percent. we know Ole miss we know not Ole miss but mississippi's going to 100 percent. if not already we know florida as i just said is about close to that and we know other states are working towards that probably quicker than uh in a probably quicker, I should say, than a lot of people think they should or believe they should. But now the question is, will we as a country be 100% capacity um, by the 4th of July? Because Joe Biden has said that he wants to make sure every American, every adult American is vaccinated by May, May 1st or to the end of May or something like that. He wants to make sure all of us are vaccinated. And and what I'm getting out of this, and uh, the wording, at least I'm getting out of this, or the belief I think I'm getting out of this when it comes to Joe Biden, is he wants us all to have a summer, he all wants us to have a summer of normalcy. That's what I'm getting at. Oh, not, that's not what I'm getting at, but that's what I'm here. that's what I believe he's trying to get at. And that's what I'm understanding is what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm understanding is that he wants to get, he wants us to have a summer of normalcy and he wants us on this country's birthday, the 4th of July, to celebrate a return to normalcy at 100%. He wants, that I believe, I'm not saying I believe it, but I feel, and from what I'm understanding, by him saying he wants us all to be vaccinated by May, he, it looks like his intended goal is for us, like I said, to have a summer of normalcy and by the 4th of July to be all, all of us, the entire country at 100% capacity, you know, of no more masks, no more restrictions, free to go back to the thing, way things were. Theaters open, you know, with 100% attendance. Stadiums open with 100% attendance, stuff like that. He wants to make sure, obviously, from what I'm understanding, that that becomes a reality. But the question is, will it be? Will it be by at least the 4th of July? And the way things are going right now, depending on who you believe and who you listen to, it looks like we are, and I hate to say, and I hate to agree with the guy. I hate to agree with, you know, uh, people like, um, you know, I, I hate to agree with Biden or Harris, you know, despite what they say, because, again, even with political figures, presidents or vice presidents or whatever, no matter where you live, governors, whatever the case may be, mayors, you don't know what to believe when it well, you don't know what to believe even when it comes out of their mouths. You know, you don't know what you know is the truth or what's just something to kind of calm the nerves or calm the storm, um, if you will. 
But right now, as much as I and I'm sure a lot of people hate to say it, you know, it, we you know, he does have a point. It looks like we are on track to probably get to that point. But will we be? Because there still are a lot of people that are saying, are pointing out that a lot of people, not a lot of people, but there's still a lot of people saying that there are still too many risks to take into consideration. You know, with spring break going on and this Easter break going on or coming up, there's too many risks to take into consideration of what will, you know, of what could still potentially be. It was like relapse and all that, that, you know, potentially could happen. But Again, it's a good question, and you know, you know, not you know. And his thing, we not a lot of us will agree, you know, with what he says. You know, a lot of us will come out and say that he's full of he's full of hot air, that he has you know early stages of dementia, you know that, you know, the person, the real person pulling the strings is Kamala Harris, you know that. You know, they're taking credit, you know, for for something that was, you know, the previous administration's ideas and stuff like that. And yet, whoever and yet what's coming out of his mouth, no matter what you believe, Eve, Eve is true or not, is something that you have to kind of you kind of have to kind of in, in a sense agree with that, you know, we are on track. To possibly making that happen. And I think honestly, that's his intended goal. That's his and his administrations and Kamala Harris's, and I'm sure all the governors, whether we like them or we don't, you know, whether they're in agreement or not, that's the intended goal to get us, you know, to get us to a point that the summer will be COVID free and we'll be able to get back to normal. But we'll see because there's a lot of events that because of COVID have been rescheduled or canceled for two years in a row. Like I said at the beginning, BabsCon here had to be canceled again till next year for physical attendance or physical attendance. Not saying that we probably won't get another online online virtual event, but still, it's been canceled for another year. The one event that, you know, me and my family look forward to every year but got canceled last year as well is the Apricot Fiesta in Patterson. And, you know, depending on what happened, it may or may not occur. But if we get to that goal, which he wants by May to happen, then there's a good chance it may occur. But it may have to happen maybe in, you know, the first week or midweek of June. Who knows? Um, But the point is, but the question is, though, is it still a possibility? You know, is it still a possibility that by the 4th of July, we could be at a 100% capacity as a country. And I think we can be. I think we can be. I think it's a possibility as long as we keep track on, as long as we keep on track on what's going on, on just like he said, as much as a lot of us may not like to agree with what he says, because we don't know what to believe anymore. You know, you know, as long as we're on track, we should be good, but we'll see. I mean, if, you know, you got two. If you got one of the biggest states, despite the criticism, uh, opening up at 100% capacity, you know, along with another state alongside it, and another following suit, and others following suit, 
then I think it's a possibility that by the time we get to the 4th of July, we'll be pretty much back to normal. I really do. But we'll see. We'll see what occurs because, again, if his intention, if if what I'm understanding along with the rest of us, if his, if his uh, intention from what I'm understanding is to have us back to 100% normalcy by America's birthday, then as much as we may not agree, may not like, you know, what he has to say or believe who's really running the ship or whatever, you know, he does have a point that right now we are on track to make that happen. But we shall see. We shall see. But what do you guys think in the live chat? What do you guys think about, you know, whether or not us being at 100% capacity come the 4th of July? What are your thoughts? Let me know in the comments as well as in the live chat. Okay, next up, number six, Miss Piggy, next on Council Culture's hit list? Yeah, so in case you guys don't know by now, and I'm sure you do, Peppy Le Pew, for the time being, it was nice knowing ya. That's right, Peppy Le Pew is going on indefinite hiatus from Looney Tunes until for the time being, until this whole thing with council culture and all that blows over. We know that council culture, along with the SJWs and the Karens, just like with Peppy, got on the whole Lola Bunny thing and basically said she has to be redesigned and, and stuff like that, which she was. And it wasn't just, you know, the council culture people, the SJWs and the Karens, but it was actually the new director behind the scenes. That was behind, you know, Pepe being removed and Lola being redesigned and stuff. But now, alongside that, it seems the Looney Tunes are not the only ones in the crosshairs of the council culture, SJWs and Karens. But so is Miss Piggy. Yeah. And (laughs) here's what's crazy. It's not just council culture that's saying this. It's not just council culture. All members of council culture and the SJWs and all that and the Karens that are saying this. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not just them. But it's critics that don't like the idea that Pepe got removed because of something that, yeah, is nowadays is seen as being wrong. But as Warner Brothers and Disney have all done with a lot of the classic stuff that came out in the 40s and 50s and all that, you know, they put a disclaimer, disclaimer before the cartoon saying, this stuff wasn't appropriate then, it's not appropriate now. And, you know, those people are basically trying to fight back, saying, okay, okay, so if you think Pepe should be uh, removed because of his actions towards Penelope, you know what? Maybe Miss Piggy should be removed as well. Maybe Miss Piggy needs to go bye-bye too. Huh? Yeah, let's, let's have Miss Piggy go bye-bye. And it's, again, it's not just council culture. It's people that criticize council culture for getting Pepe the boot, if you will, put, put on hiatus indefinitely. That are saying, hey, you guys want to cancel Pepe? Why don't you cancel Miss Piggy? Or you know what? Why don't Miss Piggy get canceled too? She does similar stuff. And if not more physically violent, in a sense. And it's like, and, it's, and again, all you have to do, and all you do is just, <laughs> all you do is just put your hand on your head, or your hand on your eyes, and you're like, seriously, 
This is getting ridiculous. Have you guys not heard of the fact that there are fictional characters? I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Miss Piggy does not do what Peppy did. Well, in the beginning, yes, she would. But in time, guess what's happened? Kermit has returned her feelings. And oh, by the way, the Jim Henson Company has also revamped her character so that it is more with the times. Yes, there's still that relationship with Kermit that fans like to see because they are basically like the Mickey and Minnie of the Muppets. But guess what? They've also, like I said, changed her up so that when it's needed, she'll be more acceptable with the times. And this this is just ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. And you know what? You think Disney's going to be like, really? You want us to retire her? Are you out of your mind? She's one of the most popular characters out of this franchise we bought. Ah, right, you know? We're not going to get rid of her just because, oh, she she hit, pig, she hit Kermit. She's really up to Kermit. She's too violent. It's like, again, you put your hand on your... Your hand on your eyes, and you're like, oh, this this has to stop. Literally, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. This really has to stop because this is dumb. It's stupid. It's dumb. It's unne. It's unnecessary. And look, if you don't like Miss Piggy, then don't watch the Muppets. That's all you have to do. You don't like Peppa Le Pew, don't watch the Looney Tunes. You know. You you don't like. Lola Bunny and the way she looked in Space Jam? Don't watch the first Space Jam. Seriously. That's all you have to do is just not watch it or pay attention. But you know what one news article said? And I read this when I was doing my follow-up on the Peppy thing. We have been quarantined for far too long that now we're starting to take notice of things that we didn't notice before, especially if you're part of certain you know, groups and all that. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, guys. I mean, I mean, honest, I mean, seriously, seriously, canceling Miss Piggy. <laughs> Again, I can understand the whole, okay, Pepe should have been canceled a long time ago. It should have been revamped and revised for modern times a long time ago. I can understand that. We can accept that. But Miss Piggy is a character that, guess what? Disney and the Jim Henson Company has revamped. They have modernized for the times and has had basically her more acceptable and reasonable than she was in the past. That's the whole point. I mean, they put up... I mean, look, look what they've done with the Disney... Look what they've done with the Muppets, okay? They have put the Muppets behind... A wall on Disney Plus. You have to be an adult with an adult account to watch the Muppets because of what because of some of the things they show. And just like with some of the movies, animated movies, if you will, that they've put behind that same wall, they have a discretional warning. They have a discretional warning for the entire show. Basically stating that 
These were the things of the times. They were not acceptable then. They're not acceptable now. So why, may, so why get on it now? It's ridiculous. And the way I look at it, and I'm not, and I say this with all due respect, no offense whatsoever, all due respect and no offense. But I truly believe this whole council culture, SJW thing, I know it's been going on for a lot longer than even I could imagine. But I guarantee it's not going to be a big, it's not going to be as rampant. It's not going to be as noticeable or in the news as it is now because of this whole COVID situation and pandemic situation. I guarantee once we get back to normal, this whole council culture thing, it'll still be around. The SJWs will still be around. The Karens will still be around. But anything they want to get rid of will not be as prominent or noticeable or newsworthy as it used to be, or not used to be, or used to be, but or, or as it is now because of the fact that basically we'll be all out and about and we won't be worrying about having to worry about anything else like this for quite some time. And hello, Wild Hops. Thank you for joining. But yeah, this whole let's cancel Miss Piggy deal, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, you know, I'm glad Wild Hops is here. I'm glad Wild Hops is here because one of the movies we both like, one of the movies we both like is Zootopia. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's like if council culture wanted to come out and say, oh, well, Judy Hopps, Judy Hopps shouldn't be a cop because she's too frail. She's too frail. Or she's too manipulative. Her and Nick shouldn't be, you know, in this, shouldn't be the main stars of Zootopia because they're too manipulative. Or Gazelle shouldn't be in there because she's too sexualized and all that. Seriously? Seriously? If cancel culture, the SJWs and the Karens were to do that, you know what Disney would do? Disney would basically be like, <laughs> "Oh, you got to be joking us! You're, 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 that is the dumbest things we've ever heard." It's the same thing with Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy in her past incarnations, yeah, did some things that were questionable, but that's why they put warnings on the Muppet Show now, because what she did then was unacceptable, and it, then. And it's un unacceptable now, which is why they modified her. They reprised her. They rebooted her, in a sense, for the modern times. And again, like I said, it's like if somebody looked at Gazelle here. At Gazelle here. Sorry, I hit the mic cord there. I, hopefully I didn't. I knocked my uh, thing down, though. But, but it's like Gazelle here. It's like if somebody said, oh, Gazelle's too sexy. She needs to be modified or she needs to be uh, redesigned just like Lola Bunny. Or they looked at Judy Hopps and said, again, oh, Judy's, Judy's, Judy's too manipulative as a cop. And Nick, Nick's too much of a bad influence. They need to be remodified. They need to be, they need to have the personalities changed. And it's like, again... Again, Disney would look at that and be like, are you serious? 
They would be. They'd be like, are you serious? Because that would be the dumbest decisions ever made. And hello, Wild V Penguin and Trans and Fan. Oh, Riddle, Riddle V Penguin and Trans and Fans. Nice to see you guys here. And again, for those that have joined, Super Chats are open if you choose to donate. And again, check out the Patreon at Patreon, patreon.com slash bwroses. $1 tier uh, for helping out, get recognition like New Jersey artists and Mandu. And $3 tier, also get recognition like New Jersey artists and Mandu, but also get exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. Basically, more unfiltered uh, you know, videos on what I've subtly, subtly talked about before in the past here on a public basis on YouTube, but you'll get more of an uncut, uh, more detailed uh, version of that with those videos. But getting back on topic here, you know, it'd be like basically that happening. And it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> you know what? And, and, you know, I mentioned, you know, I'm mentioning this and I'm mentioning council culture. You know who was a victim of council culture? And everybody loves this character. And everybody's hashtagging for her to be included in the mobile games and possibly Sonic Prime. Sally Acorn. You know why? See that? See that? That's Sally Acorn with the vest that she's known for for in Saturday AM. Guess what would happen in the comics of Archie Comics? That. That happened. She got a vest and shorts. And even though Ian Flynn, that was, and even though Ian Flynn said that that was her intended redesign when the soft reboot or after the Mecha Sally thing was originally done, we all know the real reason. We all know the real reason that council culture basically got to her and said she, she's naked. You know, she needs to be covered up. Really? Did you not see her original designs? And again, this is why I talk about council culture going back a long ways. Because it was the Pareto groups and council culture in its infancy, I believe, that got, you know, Deke Entertainment and Sega and ABC to say, put a vest on her for the second season. It's like the dumbest decisions. Like It's like some of these, it's like, the dumbest decisions being made by companies and studios are all because cancel culture and those involved can't accept the fact that some things were of their time. And that there are disclaimers out there now. There are disclaimers. So, hope, so, Hopefully Disney doesn't take this seriously. I don't think they will. Because yeah, they'll put up this the, yeah, they'll hide their if I adjust my seat here for a bit a minute. Yeah, they'll hide uh basically 
there some of their animated classics behind wall adult but uh, behind walls and, and only make them accessible by adult account access and all that you know that's fine and everything but i don't think they'll get to a point to where you know they'll take an iconic character like miss piggy and say yeah what she did in the past is unacceptable she's got to go no let's just say hey we put a warning up that should be good enough move on so i don't think honestly she's going to get canceled i don't think disney's going to do anything because honestly you know there's a big difference between what she's done and what peppy's been and what peppy's been known for big difference big difference so anyway on to number 7 And number seven is really interesting. I kind of briefly talked about this when I did my video on Paramount Plus and if it's worth getting, which it is. Number seven, all 90s Sonic cartoons are on Paramount Plus. That's right. If you're a fan of Adventures, Sonic Saturday AM, or Sonic Underground, all, all shows are on there. All episodes are on there. The only thing that has to be fixed, and hopefully they do this, is the episode order. That's right. Now, Adventures, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be a big deal unless it's towards the end. And, you know, that's what, but basically that's what I said. You know, Adventures won't. And that's some rain that just started to come down. We have a big old gray cloud. Oh, so if you hear anything, that's the rain. Sounds more like hail. Hold on. Hold on for a sec. Sorry about that, guys. The way the rain came down sounded like a little bit of hail. May have been. Because like I said, the uh, temperature is five degrees colder than what it's initially at. But like I said, the only um, thing that needs to be fixed and everything with the Sonic cartoons on Paramount Plus is the fact that the episode order is kind of um, out of sync, if you will. And let's see. Let's see. You know, it's just a trains fan is uh, showing me a quote from Jawbreaker Play for Cinema. 
And hello, Nintendo45 Natuo. And again, guys, super chats are open if you feel if you want to donate that way. So it's patreon.com slash bwroses. One dollar tier get you a shout out like New Jersey artists and Mandu. As well as the, you know, and that's just for helping out, helping to expand the brand, helping me out there financially. And uh, the three dollar tier again gets you recognition, shout out for just like with New Jersey artists and Mandu, but also gets you exclusive video content you can't get anywhere else. More unfiltered, uncut uh, video content, you know, more detailed of what I've talked about very subtly here on my YouTube page, and you know, from a public standpoint. So there you go. So there we go. Uh, anyway, getting back on topic here. Like I said, all 90s cartoons are on Paramount Plus um, as we speak. Uh, as I was trying to say, the only thing that's um, the only thing that's kind of um, an, an issue, if you will, is the structure of the episodes, the episode structure. Uh, mostly for Sonic Sadiam season two and for uh, Sonic Underground and certain episodes there. So it's a bit of an episode structure that has to be fixed a little bit, but I got a feeling that in future updates, they'll be doing that because <laughs> uh, when I look, when you want, because here's the thing, Adventures, I think it's all right because most of it's non-continuity, if you will except for like the final few episodes, which is the Emerald one. They go back in time. I'm with that one. Uh, but with Sonic Saturday M, mostly season two. Yeah, the, the episode structure is way off because they got Blasted a Path Part 1 as the first episode with the wrong air date. And then they got the Doomsday Project, the last episode, as the eighth episode. So they definitely got a lot to work on. They definitely got a lot to work on, you know, episode structure-wise. But yeah, if you are a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog, the animated Deke Entertainment cartoons from the 1990s, then you're in luck. The entire all see all the entire all three series, the entire three, the entire run of all three series is on Paramount Plus. Like I said, the only thing that needs to be addressed and needs to be fixed is the structuring of the episodes. Uh, if you will, for the second season of Sonic Sadiam and uh, throughout Sonic Underground through certain portions of that. Mostly mostly the uh, first uh, couple of episodes, you know, from beginning, you know, basically the beginning saga, the beginning three-part saga, and the um, Chaos Emerald saga that had Knuckles make his second appearance on the show. So those are the only ones that uh, basically need to um, be structurally fixed. But after that, everything else should be fine. Uh, like I said, season two of Sonic's at AM definitely needs a lot of structuring, needs a lot of fixing. Because like I said, you got Blasted a Path part one as the first episode, then you got part two, like a couple of episodes later. And then the eighth episode is Doomsday Project and the Cry of the Wolf is the last episode. It's like, yeah, they, they totally need to fix that. And, you know, hopefully, uh, and hopefully they, they will. You know, so, so anyway, um, anyway, 
so anyway, but anyway, though, like I said, uh, basically all the all the Sonic cartoons are on there. And if you are behind hashtag Rally for Sally to get her into the mobile games, to get her to be part of Sonic Prime, the new Netflix series next year, as well as possibly make her get that after credit or mid credit scene appearance at the end of the new Sonic uh, live action CGI film coming out next year as well. If you're if you're about that, you're doing the hashtag Rally for Sally deal, you know, make all of that happen. Then this is perfect timing for you because, like I said, Paramount Plus has the Satyam series, but like I said, season one's fine, but season two definitely needs to be restructured, uh, episodic wise. But yeah, all the '90s one, all the '90s Sonic cartoons are there, guys. So if you want to check out Paramount Plus, they are up. They got the four dollar ninety nine cent option with ads, and they got the nine dollar ninety nine cent option with no ads which is pretty much the one I would recommend you guys uh, choose if you decide to go with Paramount+. Plus. Anyway, with that said, let's, say, let's get on to our eighth and final main, uh, eighth and final topic here, and that is the DuckTales season finale that airs today slash tonight. And basically what to expect. Now, um, um, now I know a lot of people are uh, disappointed that uh, DuckTales is ending. You know, it, it is definitely a great series. It's done. I'll, I'm going to give the people credit for this. They, they, take it, they took this, you know, very established, very popular IP, basically reworked it and said, what if, especially towards, especially throughout the show, Mostly, you know, hinting at, you know, at the beginning with the the first season and then going all the way up to this one. You know, I, I got to give the show creators and all that a lot of credit because they basically took, like I said, this established, very popular IP and reworked it to the point of where they asked the question, what if DuckTales existed in the same universe as Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, The Wuzzles? you know, from a past, you know, timeline, you know, the gummy bears, stuff like that. You know, you know, they had bonkers in there somehow and, you know, all these things. And I have to say that what they've done so far is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. I mean, the fact that they make this version of DuckTales take place 20, I would say 20, 30 years in the future of the Tailspin timeline. They do, because it's established in that episode that Hire for Hire was founded when Kit and Molly were still kids, and now they're grown-ups. So obviously, you know, I like the idea that they took that, you know, they took part of that question and answered it by saying, what if Tailspin and DuckTales were in the same universe? Oh, I know. DuckTales takes place 20, 30, this version of DuckTales takes place 20, 30 years later. And by doing so, Kit Cloud Kicker knows who Della is. So, let's see what we got here. But yeah, basically, it's established. 
that you know Kit knows who Della is. So that by having, like I said, reworking this DuckTales to be in a universe where Tailspin exists, but it's 30 years, 20 years in the future of the 1990s Tailspin, I think is brilliant. And basically it kind of, in a sense, is a real-time scenario. I mean, the original Tailspin was like, what, 30 years ago? And now it's 30 years later? Who knew? I'm just saying, you know, 20, 30 years later, it works. I think it really works. So um, overall, though, overall, to me, these creators did a fantastic job in bringing all this together. And now tonight is the finale. And it's a 90-minute deal. Taking a page, as I've said before uh, in a video, taking a page out of um, MLP, of course. You know, because we all remember MLP had that 90-minute finale uh, in 2019, which uh, ran uh, back-to-back, if you will, in prime time. I think it did, like, three back-to-backs, I think, or two back-to-backs. Uh, it did basically the premiere, then it did another, then it did an encore, then it did a Decade of Pony deal, then it did another encore, and then it uh, went into reruns of the final uh, episodes of the final season. Then it did some Equestria Girl stuff. And then it did two back-to-back encores of the finale. I should know because I recorded, I DVR'd, and eventually DVD'd all of them, <laughs> if you will. That being the finale. But, but yeah, you can obviously tell they took some inspiration from that. It's called The Last Adventure. And it's going to obviously focus, the first part is going to focus on Webby. And it definitely looks like what they're giving away is the fact that uh, we get to meet April, we get to meet uh, May and June here. Or is it April and June or one of them? And we all, it's already established through some clips that they know who Webby is. Oh, no, it's May and June. And it's established in some clips that were released that they know who Webby is. And the fact that they're looking at all this stuff around them when they get locked up in this room, and it's like, well, what is this? What's that? And then they see who, and then they see Rebby show up, and they know who she is. So obviously, what this tells me is Webby is a clone. I think that's obvious. I think that's been obvious to a lot of us that Webby is a clone. You know, that Webby is a is a clone, or at least that's what they're hinting at, because uh, May and June are like, well, what's this and that? So either Webby's the original and May and June are her clones or something's going on, and we'll find out more in like several hours or something. So, so yeah, that's basically part of it, and I guess it's going to be like the heart of it, or at least the first part of it, and then we're going to get into the whole foul situation. Uh, down the line, um, as the the rest of it progresses, we know Goslin and Darkwing Duck's getting involved. I think we're going to get Kit and Molly. We're going to get Don Kanaj. It looks like I'm not really sure. The Rescue Rangers may show up. We'll see. Um, but it's going to be interesting, you know, as we get towards this finale and to to see who's involved, who's a part of this, and how everything you know concludes um, at the end. Uh, but yeah. You know, I, I think, on, I mean, honestly, I, I expect a lot to happen. Like I said, I expect, well, obviously, like I said, we're going to get Goslin and Darkwing Duck. I expect, you know, some seek, I, I expect the secret that May and June are clones of Webby. 
or Webby's a clone of them or something like that. Well, basically, they're all clones or something. We're going to find out that secret. Or oh, I assume April and June or May and June are her clones. So we'll find that out. Um, and again, I think we're going to get, of course, Darkwing and Goslin. We're going to get the Rangers. I believe they got to show up. You know, we're going to get possibly Kit and Molly, you know, because you're going to have Don Canage in there. It looks like. And we'll just see what happens. We'll just see what occurs. I mean, obviously, we'll also get Gantra D back because apparently I think Fenton is going to find out that, uh, you know, it, she's been taken away and, you know, that he's going to have to rescue her. So it, we're going to get a lot going on here. But I do basically what I expect in the end um, is a lot of stuff. I mean, they did hint that a lot of questions we want answered will be answered and some that we didn't know we wanted answered will be answered. Um, and, uh, overall, I think we're going to get a decent conclusion now on top of the finale, just like with the MLP finale, it's going to get encored, but unlike the MLP finale, it's going to, um, be 24, it's going to be a 24 hour uh, repeat. So when it debuts after it's done, it's going to just constantly repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat for 24 hours. So going to be an interesting um, ride, if you will, going towards that. Um, But yeah, it's going to be an interesting ride going towards that. And I I can't wait to see what they do. Again, again, obviously we're being hinted at that there's a clone situation going on with Webby, May and June. And that Webby might, her real name might be April. Um, there's obvious the situation that we're going to find out what Fowl's true intentions are in everything, because one of the things they wanted to get their hands on was the stone of what was. Uh, so there's a lot of things going on, a lot of scenarios to play in. We're going to find out obviously more about Beakley and, you know, what her connection to all this is. Again, we're going to have Darkwing, we're going to have Goslin involved. I would assume, like I said, Kit and Molly got to be in this as well as, um, you know, as well as the rescue rangers. Because if you're going to bring them all in, you got to have them involved somehow, you know, in the finale. So we'll see what it, we'll see what they do. But it's going to be something great. It's going to be something uh, interesting. I know people are going to be talking about it and tweeting about it, and hopefully, it gives them a more satisfying uh, finale. And it gives them more of a satisfying finale and answers more and answers the questions they want answered more so than they thought WandaVision did. <laughs> but again, have to wait and see uh, what happens in the next several hours. But it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be something. It's going to be really something. I mean, if the Tangle finale is anything to go by, then we're going to get something really good here. We're going to get something really, really good and really interesting. And something that's going to get people talking, it really is. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't wait for, the, can't wait to see what they pull out of their hat and how they, you know, wrap this all up in the end. I can't wait. You know, but um, yeah, that's about, that's about all I could say on it. Uh, as far as the question that I uh, was asked, did I see Hell of a Boss yet? I've seen it a little bit, and it looks pretty good for an independent uh, cartoon made. Hey, that's free here on YouTube. I thought it's, I think it's pretty good. Um, 
I think it's pretty good. And honestly, I think they could do more with it. Uh, I think if they want to really expand on it, make it, make it more gaggly or you know funny. Uh, they, I think, I think this is the show with that wolf girl in it. If I'm right, it's the one with the wolf girl. If it's the one with the wolf girl, I and obviously they're setting something up with her and some other male wolf character or male character. You want to make it funny? Have her do the lustful milk gag. Have that wolf character, who seems to be part gothic but whatever, have her do the lustful milk gag and melt into a puddle of. Go- what uh gray and black or whatever you know it basically into have, basically have a melt into a puddle where you just see her face is on the puddle and then she basically has to get reformed or she reforms herself or something like that i think you do that and that'll be something nobody would see coming but yeah i think it's a good show so i think it's a good start i think it's a good little uh independent uh series and you know hopefully it might get picked up you know has been hotel got picked up and I thought that was all right at first. Uh, but Hell of a Boss, yeah, I think it could be something, you know, something to look forward to. I think it's got the potential, has been in Hell of a Boss, got a potential for to be, you know, big, big phenomenons in the future. And I think, you know what, inevitably if they're by the same studio, if you will, the same people, Visipop, obviously you got to get a crossover there. You got to get a crossover. So... So yeah, um, obvious. But yeah, besides that, I, I think Hell of a Boss is good, and I think Has Been Hotel. Uh, once it gets you know going on its new network, as well as possibly you know re-uploading the episodes that premiere there on the new home on YouTube down the line, I think it'll also be good. But again, you got to get that crossover going, and I think if you give the main character that what's her name for Has Been Hotel, the one that runs it. You know, if you give her as well as the wolf, the wolf, the the wolfish character, the the wolf character, the female wolf character in Hell of a Hell of a Boss, if you give the has been hotel girl that runs the place and the wolf girl character the opportunity to do the lustful milk gag, I guarantee you that'll make things. I guarantee you people won't see it coming, but it'll definitely show that. You, you never know what kind of gags they might throw in there just for the heck of it, for, you know, for potential visualness of how that character feels when they see somebody. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's got potential. I really do. But what do you guys think? What do you think of them possibly adding that in there for one of those two characters? Uh, let me know what you guys think. But with that said, though, guys, I'm going to close up shop here. For this uh, edition of Topics on My Mind for today, March 15th, 2021. Uh, it's my first, of course, Topics on My Mind live stream with my new setup behind me that you've seen in the room tour. New bed, and new new bed, new everything, if you will. Um, all got it from Target. And like I said in one video, uh, if I'm FedEx and UPS, if I'm all delivery services, including United States Postal, I get my act together and I make sure that when I'm scheduled to get something to somebody on a certain day, I get it there on time, no matter what the situation. So. 
So yeah, but anyway though, guys. Anyway though, guys, I just want. But anyway though, guys, that's like I said, that's gonna do it for today. Thank you for those that join me in the live chat. Really appreciate it. Again, check me out at my Patreon uh, website at Patreon.com/slash/BWRosses. One dollar tier will be will get you a shout out and everything for helping me out. Three dollar tier will also get you a shout out for helping out, but also get you exclusive video content you can't get anywhere else where I will get more into depth of what I've said subtly, very subtly here on YouTube on a public level, but I will do it more exclusively, unfiltered and uncut for the Patreon uh, supporters of my Patreon page. And that's $3 a tier if you want that exclusive content. And just to let you guys know that if it does succeed, if I get more supporters at the $3 tier or even the $1 tier, I might consider doing a $5 tier of an exclusive Q&A for Patreon supporters only. So help me. So, you know, so there's your, I guess you you could say uh, your motivation to try to support me at Patreon. I would really appreciate it. And if you could do that, also check out my BW Roses Discussions podcast, which this will be a part of down the line very soon at anchor.fm slash BW Roses as well as at your other local uh, favorite pay, uh, podcast locations like Amazon Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, uh, you name it, it will be there, except for Pandora. I'm still working on that one. And hopefully that'll be something, an issue I will be able to fi- I'll be able to fix in the next couple of weeks or something, something down the line. But again, thank you guys for joining. Really appreciate it. Hope you all have a good day. And everything. Thank you all for watching. And yes, I can't imagine the the scene, uh, the reaction that Sally would get if she showed up in a mid post credit scene. Trains, I could. And as far as Funko Pops go, uh, Nintendo Nintendo X forty five. I have the uh, Money Incorporated WWF ones given to me by my sister, as well as I have the Funko vinyl figures of the. Of Celeste, of the main, of a lot of the MLP characters uh, as well. But again, guys, thank you all for joining me. Take care. God bless. Get yourself vaccinated when you get the opportunity. Eating and everything. And I will talk to you all later. But again, just to get back to Nintendo's uh, question about Hell of a Boss, I think both ha- them and has been definitely need a crossover once that all gets straightened out and everything. And I think the girl that runs the hotel. And on Has Been Hotel, the main girl there, and the wolf girl in Hell of a Boss, I think when the opportunity presents itself, and hopefully they have considered this, if not already done it, they will put them and get put them in a situation where they will perform the lustful melt gag, which is basically a character melting into a puddle of goop and then reforming by themselves or having somebody reform them from that puddle. And if you want a good example of that, check out Moon Over Minerva of the original Animaniacs cartoon. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But again, guys, thank you all for watching. Really appreciate it. And again, check me out at patreon.com slash $1 tier will get you a shout out for helping me out there. $3 tier will also get you a shout out for helping out, but also get you exclusive video content that you can't get anywhere else where I will publicly, where I would publicly subtly talk about things. But in the Patreon exclusive, I will talk about that kind of stuff unfiltered and uncut. 
it won't be public. It will be only to the Patreon exclusive uh, people that help me with the $3 tier. If they go that way. And again, if both tiers are successful enough, I might consider doing a $5 tier for Q&A in the future. As well as check me out at my BW Roses discussions on, Am- on uh, anchor.fm slash BW Roses, as well as uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Radio Public, and all the other places except for Pandora, which I am still working on. So until then, though, guys, God bless. Take care. You all take care of yourselves. Have a good rest of your day. And I am out.